Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are in Matthew chapter 7 in our Bibles, Matthew chapter 7, and we have been working through a series I've titled Jesus Worldview, Jesus Worldview. As we have lots of views dancing around in our world, and it is really difficult to figure out which views are right and what's good and what's not and what's helpful and what's not. And honestly, as you are confused, I am too many times trying to navigate the latest view on whatever and trying to figure out where I stand on these issues. I honestly, the, the true north, the compass that always brings me back is the words of the Lord Jesus. I go back to our God over and over and over again to see what he has said, or if he hasn't spoken specifically to it, what is the general narrative that God is declaring to us about these issues? Um, I cannot trust the views of the world around me, nor can I even trust my own mind to discern perfectly at all times. Uh, I falter, I fail, I cannot discern like God's word can discern. And so we go back to it over and over and over again to see what he has said. That's why we're looking at Jesus' worldview. We're in Matthew chapter 7 in our Bibles, and we're going to cover the last... Uh, four verses of one to six this week and a sermon titled why are you judging me part two why are you judging me part two the right and wrong way to judge people this is sermon number 29 through the book of matthew in his little book of illustrations of bible truth h.a ironside pointed out that the folly of about, he pointed out about the folly of judging others. He related an incident in the life of a man called Bishop Potter. He was sailing for Europe on one of the great transatlantic ocean liners. When he went on board, he found that another passenger was to share the cabin with him. After going to see the accommodations, he came up to the purser's desk and inquired if he could leave his gold watch and other valuables in the ship's safe. He wanted it in a safe place, not in his room. He explained that the, uh, that the, the ordinarily he never availed himself of that privilege, but he had been to his cabin and had met the man who was to occupy the other bed. Judging from his appearance, he was afraid that he might not be a very trustworthy person. The purser accepted the responsibility for the values, valuables and remarked, It's all right, Bishop. I'll be very glad to take care of them for you and lock them in the safe. By the way, the other man has already been up here and left his for the same reason. The other man came up and did the exact same thing, for he was in fear that the bishop would steal his stuff. You see... Judging by the outside or judging based upon specific standards is what we do in this society. And we do this um, really to a fault many times because we can't help it. This is what happens. We are judging based upon what we've experienced and what's happened in the past, and we are trying to filter through what's right in front of us. And this is the beauty of our God. He does not judge by the outward. 
He judges the heart. He looks exactly at the inward. And I do wish that we could have a society where we could turn everyone inside out and we could see pure motive. We could see what's really going on. We could see honesty. If you could see this, we'd be able to see through all of the games. We'd be able to see through all of the issues and no one would be able to get away. My confidence is that God is already doing this and time and time again over the years, he has protected us, praise God. He reveals things which I cannot see. He shows us things that I cannot discover. And I'm so very thankful for the Lord in this way. You know, there are a lot of people who will come into the church over the years and do all kinds of things to take advantage of the church or try to work things over. And at one point in the beginning, I'd become very ticked off over these things and very protective over them. And what I've grown to discover over time is that this is not my church. It belongs to God. People want to steal money. It belongs to God. You want to steal from him. That's up to you. People want to destroy things. People want to tear down. I love stepping back and just letting God step in and take care of the whole thing. And time and time again, he always wins. 2 Timothy 2.24, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. That's what we're talking about today. Let's discover right and wrong, and the right and wrong way to judge one another. Instructions given by the Lord Jesus himself. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? We always stand for the reading of his word to pay honor to him, our God, and remember whose word we are reading. These aren't my opinions. This is the Lord Jesus, what he has said in the text. Verses 1 and 2 again, he says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye? but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Jesus says, you hypocrites. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We submit ourselves to your word this morning. We ask that you would reveal, reveal your truth, reveal your word, reveal your heart. Show us how to handle one another. Show us what correction looks like. We trust you. We believe in you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Remember what we talked about last week? Jesus is not telling us that we are not to make judgments about one another, but he is telling us not to condemn one another in our judging. Very important. We're not to condemn, tell people, you're going to hell. Don't do that, because you don't know. Only God knows that. Only God knows the true position of the heart. But we are to make judgment about one another. We are to assess one another. We are to take time to find out what's going on and understand situations. 
But we are not to condemn. We are to help and correct. The Pharisees did this in a self-righteous manner, condemning others all the time. And this is what Jesus is getting at. Jesus cuts to the heart of the one correcting. He cuts to the heart of the one trying to correct or trying to set somebody straight. We are also warned by Jesus to be careful how we judge because we will be judged in eternity by our own standards. He says the standard or measure or ruler we use to judge others will be used on us one day, the Bema Seat judgment before Christ. The Lord Jesus goes on to build upon warning us and judging each other and give some specifics on when and how, very important, when and how to correct one another. There's a lot of misunderstanding in the world about this right now, isn't there? I mean, you watch people and they will level each other online in a couple words. It's really sad. And so there's a lot of correcting, a lot of judging, a lot of offending, and it's really not helpful. It's very hurtful. But what if we dealt with each other in conversation and relationship the way that Jesus is telling us to? This applies really to all relationships. I'm not sure what context you are thinking through today, but let Jesus' words apply to your relationships with your spouse, with your family, with your friends, with your enemies, with church members, with co-workers, with neighbors. This context is specific to the church, but I believe it is helpful for all relationships. Really, from the very most intimate relationship of a marriage and trying to correct one another, <laughs> oh baby, to the very sensitive place of the church, people getting ticked off about this or that. I'm out of here. We're not coming to the church anymore. Okay or to the neighbor next door, I'm not talking to you anymore. I don't like what you did the other week. We are constantly judging and doing this or somebody posts something online and you're ticked off about it and you gotta make sure and let them know. You see, I don't know where you're correcting. I don't know where you're being corrected, but praise God that Jesus spends time in breaking down what it looks like. It's a, it was a big issue then, it's a big issue now. Look at verse 3 again. Jesus says, preaching there to his disciples, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? The first thing that comes to mind for most is, I don't have a log in my eye. Right? I don't have a log in my eye. The ironic thing about this is if we have a log in our own eye, we can't see it because we have a log in our own eye, which stops us from seeing it. The very log we want to see, we can't see because the log is blocking our view. I don't have a log in my eye. Take a look at the key words here in verse 3. He says, see and notice. See and notice in verse 3. How do you see from a distance the speck in your brother's eye and not notice the log in your own eye? You look from a distance at him. Why don't you look at a distance from yourself? 
You look at a distance from that direction, why don't you look at a distance in your own direction? Watch the step-by-step process. This is first thinking about what we see in another person. Notice, we are not actually doing anything. We see and project and we think something. We project thoughts about a person that we see from a distance. We haven't necessarily talked yet. We already have preconceived ideas and notions. We have a thinking process which has caused us to think something about the situation. The first is thinking about what we see in the other person. To see from a distance is to be thinking about someone else's faults. Jesus says, be careful. Because as you are thinking this about someone else, you may have a whole log of this very sin in your own eye. Something, church, I want you to take note of, something that is very important, something that we miss all the time is, oftentimes the sin we are most aware of in others is probably the sin we struggle with the most because it's familiar. You know it. You know it well. I can spot it from a mile away. I can spot it from a mile away. I can spot that from a mile away. Why can you spot that from a mile away? Is it close to home? No, it's not close to home, I promise. There's no way it's close to home. I don't have a log in my eye. Watch this. You may be blind to it. You may have been blind until this moment and have not been able to see your failures in a certain area because your own flesh blinds you. Me too. My flesh stops me from seeing my own sins. We love to think the best of ourselves and put others down. It makes us feel better to exalt ourselves in our mind above others. Even if we know we have failures in certain areas, we love to exalt the things we are really good at and not think too much about the things and areas we are blind to. We do this all the time. We love to self-exalt. We love to put others down subtly in our minds. It makes us feel better about ourselves. Philippians 2.3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo yourselves in honoring one another. This, This verse is incredible. Outdo one another in honoring each other. People love to gossip and talk about all the bad things going on. They love to chop it up over this stuff. They love to gossip about what so-and-so is doing and what's happening over here and what's this. When's the last time we gossiped about all the beautiful things people are doing? Did you hear about so-and-so? No, what? Tell me. They blessed somebody the other day. It was amazing. Oh, okay. Thought it was something good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly and sisterly love. Outdo yourself in honoring another. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm not letting that thought go there. I'm not letting my mind wander in that direction. Especially amongst the brothers and sisters in Christ. It's hard for us to see our own sin. And here's the key. We need others to help us see it. 
I remember when I was living in Israel, a couple of the brothers uh, wanted to read through this book that I was traveling with. And so we jumped into it and we went after it. And it was a book by C.J. Mahaney called Humility. Little, little book. Uh, give me this, you know, let's talk about humility. Okay, you know, I'm probably 24, 25 at this point. And we start reading through the book and this thing leveled all of us. And I'll never forget one of the stories that he tells in the book. He talks about a businessman who has a business meeting coming up, but before he gets to that meeting, he wants to stop at the bagel shop to get some bagel and cream cheese before he heads off to the next meeting because he's hungry that morning. And so he goes in there and he, hey, blueberry bagel, can I get some cream cheese on that? He gets it and there he is hammering it down in the shop because he has to go to his next meeting and lo and behold he gets a bunch of cream cheese on the side of his face and there it is sitting there and off he runs to the next meeting he has already dabbed his face with a napkin he thought he was good but no time to really check he makes his way off into his meeting and there he is he comes into the corporate office the room there and he has cream cheese on his face everyone can see it except for him and there's no way for him to find out unless someone walks up and says, um, excuse me, sir, um, you have a bunch of cream cheese on your face. We've all done this before, though. Come on, let's be honest. You know, we've all done this before. We've either had the barbecue sauce, you know, hanging after some barbecue, or you got that piece of pepper, you know, like stuck in your teeth, or your friend has it, or maybe it's not your friend, it's just somebody you, you, you your acquaintance, and you're just staring at it the whole time. You're just like, you can't stop staring at it. <laughs> You're like, pepper, 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 pepper. You're like, did you hear what I said? Yeah, uh-huh, pepper. You know, it's like, and we don't tell them, you know, because we're embarrassed to, like, tell them because we're embarrassed for them. But, you know, you can tell, obviously, a good friend. You're like, hey, dude, you got to think of pepper. You can't get that out right now. The key. You cannot wipe things off your face without other people letting you know that it's there because you can't see it. No, I, I can see it. No, we are not designed that way. We need community. We need other people. We need other people to tell us what's going on. There's no way you're going to self-discover. It doesn't matter how many books you read. You're not going to self-discover. We are created to be in community and watch this. And having to let someone correct you brings forth humility in your life. Look at what has to happen in order for you to be able to receive that. You actually have to be able to get low and receive from somebody else and actually listen to what they're saying and believe. Wait, how long have I had that cream cheese on my face? And a couple years. Why didn't you tell me? Were you going to get mad at me? Because nobody can correct you. Nobody can tell you where you're wrong because you, you get bummed, you get mad. You don't listen. If you can see the specks in everyone else's eyes, are there logs in your own eyes that others can clearly see but you can't? The answer is yes for all of us. We all have areas we have to grow. We all have areas that we have to deal with and figure out.
And the sin of the mature believer is pride, self-righteousness. There's no way because of this, 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 this. I'm not that. I, of course, take the form of humility. You ever heard somebody say that? They walk up to you. I'm like one of the humblest people you've ever met. You know, I am so humble. Nice to meet you. Somebody boasting about their humble nature. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you unbelieving evil, an unbelieving evil heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We have to have other people in our lives that we allow to exhort us and build us and instruct us lest our heart starts to corrode and protect itself to a degree to which no one can ever correct us or tell us that we're wrong. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Say, how in the world did that pastor do that? How in the world did that believer get to that point where they just walk away from God? They stopped allowing people to speak into their life. They stopped being ministered to. They put up a wall around their heart and said, I don't need to receive anymore. It's dangerous. I understand. I've heard this phrase a lot, even especially here in LA. It's like you got to have the skin of a rhino, but the heart of a child. You got to somehow figure out how to stay stay soft in here. You build up such rough exterior, you can't even grow anymore. You can't even accept the fact that there might be something on your face that everybody can see, but you won't receive it. And then you go on living in that pattern. I'll never forget after living with those guys in Israel, and after reading that book, I emailed one of the brothers. I emailed Christian. I said, Christian, you just lived with me for four months Tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. Tell me where I'm failing. Tell tell me where I dropped the ball and I just don't get it. I'm like, tell me all the cream cheese. I want want everything. I want the mustard. I want the ketchup. I want the barbecue sauce. I want everything. So he writes this long email to me and sends it back. I'm reading it and I'm like, that's not me. That's not me. Who, Who is he talking about? It was me. It was me. I couldn't even see my face in the mirror. I couldn't recognize that person. This is a guy who loves the Lord. And it was a joy to receive from him. It's not easy. It breaks you. You don't want to accept those things about yourself. Jesus shows that we first see the speck, but don't notice the log in our own eye. Take a look at what he tells us next, verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? Notice the change in words. Jesus goes from saying see and notice from a distance to now how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? So we go from seeing, thinking, noticing, internal, to now external, advancing, real action, saying and trying to take the speck out of a person's eye without first dealing with the log in our own eyes, then look what Jesus says. He says, you hypocrite, verse 5, first 
Take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus calls those who do such things hypocrites, and you can see why. He is saying you are not capable of removing the speck in someone else's eye until you have first removed the log in your own. You literally can't do it. And it's hypocritical because you're like, come here, let me get, let me get that little smudge of cream cheese off your face. Get over here. Let me get that. Let me get that. And it's just like, dude, did you like do a cream cheese face mask? Like, why are you... How are you missing that? Jesus gives instructions and an illustration on how to correct and help another person. He talks about eye surgery. I love that he uses the image and the picture of the eyeball. This is, it's all based around this very sensitive place, this eye. And I want to really break down this illustration because there are beautiful application moments. When you think through the eye and someone getting a speck in their eye, or someone having something really stuck in their eye, Jesus gives instruction around this. I call it corrective surgery. Corrective surgery. Remember this illustration when correcting someone. I want to give you six steps to remember in corrective surgery. Jesus breaks it down. Point number one, if you're taking notes, remember, you have no grounds to perform surgery. We, we are not the Lord. We can't see perfectly like Him. We have failed more times than the person we are helping. How do I know? How do you know? Because you know all of your faults, yet you still think pretty good about yourself. Me too. I know all of my faults. Did you know that? Well, most of them, except for the ones I can't see. But I actually know who I am. I actually know how wicked my heart and mind can be. I know how much God has forgiven me. And I actually don't know that much about the person in front of me, yet I may think that I'm better than them and think that I'm going to correct them. Remember, you have no grounds to perform surgery, Romans 3.10. As it is written, no one is righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need surgery. Don't forget, after you give corrective surgery to someone else, you will probably need some more as well. Let's remember who we are. We're a bunch of sinners trying to do surgery on each other. <laughs> we, got, we got specks in our eyes everywhere. We got logs in our eyes everywhere. And here we are trying to do surgery on each other. How many surgeries have you done? Uh, this is my first one. What? It was F.B. Meyer who once said that when we see a brother or sister in sin, there are two things we do not know. First, we do not know how hard he or she tried not to sin. And second, we do not know the power of the forces that assailed him or her. We also do not know what we would have done in the same circumstance. I would never do that. We have to be careful 
It is a privilege and blessing that God uses any of us to help and correct another brother or sister in Christ. He could disqualify us for the job over and over and over again. He sees all the specks. He sees all the logs in our eyes, yet he is patient with us. Point number two, if you're taking notes, remember the eye is very delicate. I love that Jesus chose the eye for this very reason. Of all parts of the body, he chooses the eye. A very valuable and vulnerable body part. Your eye will blink and shut to protect itself. If you barely touch it, it will shut. If a speck of sand blows in your eye, it will quickly shut. I was painting the side of the house uh, last week. I was up on a ladder, really high ladder. I was painting the underside of the house. And as I was moving the brush, some of the, the paint dust came off and it dropped right in my eye. And I'm on the ladder, like high on the ladder. I'm like, oh no, you know, and I can feel the burn start to happen. I'm like, okay. So I work my way down the ladder and I literally run inside the house and I just, with the clothes on, I just turn on the shower and just let it blast me in the face to wash out all of that little speckle of paint dust. Show how sensitive the eye is and how fast it can be damaged. And Jesus uses this part to do surgery and correction. He says, when you're taking the speck out of your brother's eye, it's a delicate process. Any slip or mistake in the eye can be damaging. John 13, 34 says, a new command I give to you, Jesus speaking to his disciples, love one another as I have loved you. Love people, love one another the way that I love you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Remember how delicate the eye is. Number, point number three, remember a blind doctor can't perform surgery. A blind doctor cannot perform surgery. Jesus says first, I love when he says first, he gives his own points. Point number one, first, take the log out of your own eye. First, you need to get surgery done on your own eyes. You need to go to the great surgeon and ask him for surgery first. Lord, remove the cancer in my heart. Lord, do surgery on me before I try to go do surgery on my friend. Go to the Lord in prayer first, asking him to correct you before you go to someone else to correct them. Ask him if you have this sin in your own heart first. Get it removed. Repent of it. Apply the gospel to your life. And then go to your brother or sister. It's the best thing you could ever do. Anger at somebody, you're frustrated with somebody. The best thing you could ever do is pray and go to God first about it and ask him to work on your heart first. Apply the gospel. Remember the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. Then you are prepared to go to do a small bit of surgery. Psalm 139, I love this verse, verse 23, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, try my thoughts, see if there be anything going on in me, and then please lead me in the way everlasting. Job 31.6, Job said this to God, 
Let God weigh me with honest scales, that he may know my integrity. Lord, know me. Search me, refine me, burn up all this waste. Psalm 19.12, who can discern his own errors? Cleanse me from my hidden faults, the psalmist prays. We must go to the master surgeon to have surgery done first. Point number four, remember, once you can see and the patient trusts you, perform a very delicate eye surgery. Jesus says, then you will see clearly. First, take it out of your own eye. Go to the Father. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Only then. It's your brother. Don't forget, it's your sister. This is family. Oftentimes, people keep up ways because... Oftentimes, people keep others away because they don't trust them. And rightfully so, because people will hurt you the chance that you are vulnerable. But we have to stay pliable, willing to grow, willing to allow others into our lives to correct and encourage us. Very important that we remain teachable. I called up one of the brothers the other day to ask about raising little girls and discipline and to get perspective. Why? Because he has two little girls himself. The thing is, is he's one of the young guys that I discipled a long time ago. I've known him since he was 14 years old. And I think, I don't know, we're six, seven years apart, something like that. And uh, so when I called him, he said, you want my perspective? I said, yeah, you know, you're a great dad. He's like, yeah, but you probably talked to like four or five other brothers already, right? You know, so you probably already have a great perspective. And I said, no, you're the first one I called. Then why? He thought that simply because he's younger and because he was discipled by me that somehow I can't receive from him. We have these hierarchies in the church sometimes where we choose people that we will receive from and others that we won't. It has to be based on all kinds of things. But I would encourage you to stay pliable, stay teachable. You never know. Even like my little Eden, she's only three years old, but through the mouth of babes, sometimes she'll say something and I'll be like, Lord, are you teaching me right now? You never know. No one else gets to determine when they're teaching me. I determine when I'm being taught, but I don't challenge who is the messenger. Let God have his way. Sometimes people walk up and say, Pastor, I have a word for you. Mm, no, you don't. No, you don't. Just because you came up to tell me you have a word for me, I know you don't have a word for me. Why don't you just let God use you in ministering to people and stop setting up words? And then the, the teenager comes along and just says, Hey, Pastor, the Lord showed me this and this and this in my Bible. And I step back and say, that's ministering to me. No manipulation. No desire to work me over in any way, shape, or form. He's just simply sharing what God has shown him, and it just so happens to level me. Let God do the work. Be pliable. Be ready to be ministered to at any time. Ephesians 4.15, rather... 
speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is ahead into Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Most powerful thing you could ever do. I understand. Maybe you want to help somebody. Maybe you want to speak into their life. And we should, as brothers and sisters, take the time to do so. I'm talking about the self-righteous, the Pharisee who comes in and just wants to be seen or be heard. There's a difference. There's those who say, I really care about you, I love you, and I don't know if this is for you or not, but I'd just love to share it. It's a big difference. Those who are saying, this is for you, I know it's for you, and you need to receive it. There's a balance, but we need to remain pliable. We need to allow the Lord to work in us. Once you can see the patient trusts you, you can perform a very delicate surgery. You don't walk up with a chainsaw and say, let's roll. It's not helpful. Brothers, sisters in Christ, if you develop a reputation of harsh surgery and correction, no one will come to you for surgery. No one will receive your surgery. You say, I got the job done, though. The cancer is gone. Yeah, but you, again, use the chainsaw, and the person is bleeding out everywhere. They're going to die. Yeah, but I got the cancer. Yes, but you did it and destroyed the person. Is this how God acts towards us, or is he delicate? He only performs surgery that brings forth healing and fruit. Praise God. In the end, if fruit or great healing ever comes from a correction or rebuke I have given or you have given, don't forget to remember to look back and see who really did the surgery. It wasn't you, it wasn't me, it was God in you bringing forth increase. One man plants, another waters, but God brings forth the increase. Point number five. Remember, if done right, eyes heal faster than any other organ in the body. Done wrong, you can blind someone. Be healed quickly. Done wrong, it can really hurt somebody. I've heard a lot of people over the years. You know, it was the harsh upbringing or the environments that I was around having to fight for myself. But I, especially through my 20s, I just remember being overly direct and really offending a lot of people. On the name of truth, I really wanted the truth of God's word to go forth, but man, I just didn't know how to handle with care. I didn't understand the, the delicate organ of the eye. And so I'm like, I see a speck, give me that speck, 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 speck. And lo and behold, there was a log in my own eye to which I can't see. Not helpful corrective surgery, more of a chainsaw approach. We want fruit. We want to see healing take place. We want to see people lifted up and encouraged. We want to see lives changed. We want to see the church healthy and safe. We want to see us loving and serving one another. This only happens through honesty and transparency. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. 
Notice Jesus gives specific instruction on this one-to-one. One person to one person. We don't need to bring this before all kinds of people and get lots of people involved. This can be one-on-one. The more people involved, the more complex it becomes. Sometimes we need a second person. Sometimes we need to bring it before the church. But oftentimes it can be settled one-on-one, just between you and them. And if it is done right, you can gain a brother quickly or a sister quickly. The eye wants to heal quickly. But oftentimes in the surgery, we cause more damage. And then it doesn't heal quickly. If the surgery, again, is done wrong, you can blind someone. If you correct, rebuke, or call someone out in the wrong manner, you can hurt them badly. Romans 14, 13, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. But what you eat, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken as evil. For the kingdom of God, I love this, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the goal. We get in the weeds and we get caught up in a lot of the specifics and we lose righteousness, peace, and joy. This is the goal of the church. This is the goal of the body of Christ. Family, remember, the odds are great in corrective surgery. You can win or lose a person quickly. The goal is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You try to do this with love. You try to do it in the right way as best as you can with the counsel around you. And you hope that the response is correct. If it is not, what else can you do? Finally, Jesus says in verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Wow. Picture change. We just went from eye and specks and logs in our eye to all of a sudden dogs and pigs and them attacking you. Point number six and finally, don't waste an expensive surgery on someone who doesn't want it. Dogs don't care about holy things. They care about doggy treats. They care about sniffing other dogs, peeing on things to mark their territory. They like good scratches on the ear and drooling everywhere. Can you imagine letting a dog into the temple? It's hilarious. He would pee on the altar of incense with no regard. Say, sniff, sniff, that's not my smell. I'll mark that. The dog thinks Aaron's rod is a throwing stick, right? Same one that Moses used to part the Red Sea. He just like picks it up and starts gnawing on it. Wants to play fetch. The same is true with the pig. Pigs don't care about pearls. If you throw pearls at a pig, it may attack you because it thinks it's rocks. Or you put a pearl necklace around a pig's neck. Next stop, they are rolling in the mud. You're like, that's a $5,000 pearl necklace. They don't care. But you, you throw some pig slop casserole at the pig and they are in heaven. 
Jesus is saying, don't try and do surgery on people who don't want it. Don't continue to preach the gospel or minister to those who don't want to hear it. Let it be. Wait for another opportunity to come. Don't throw precious, the precious message of the gospel to someone who's just going to trample on it. Don't correct those who are non-believers. It's just not helpful. They don't get it. They won't get it. Don't waste surgery on those who don't want it. But to those who are being saved and are hungry, share, pour, disciple, encourage, correct, and build up. The true sign of someone who desires to do this is repentance before God. If I see someone that doesn't want help or won't listen to correction, I just let it go. I used to want to nail it down and make sure that they heard the truth. These days, I don't let people waste my time or their time. I say, carry on. If you don't want to hear, so be it. I can't change people through more talking. If someone doesn't have ears to ear, pray they would have ears. Don't scream at a person with no ears. They can't hear you. They will just look at you like you said nothing to them because they can't hear. Don't bring holy things before dogs. They don't care. Don't give pearls to a pig. They can care less. Family, how does God correct us? Praise God for a gracious, merciful, kind, and let me use this word, patient king. A loving father who just waits. I don't know how many years he waited for the prodigal son. He just waited and waited and waited for his boy to come home. But what happened when he came home? The boy was coming home in repentance. When he came home in repentance, what did the father do? He took off his robe and he threw it around him. He took off his ring and put it on his finger. And they were blessed. God loves to see corrective surgery remove cancer and bring forth life. Love to see pruning take place and bring forth fruit a hundredfold. The only way that happens is through humility. It's not happening. Humility, transparency, and honesty. God is not rough with his people. They're just trying to prove a point. He is the master surgeon who does the surgery so well sometimes, we don't even know he's done it until afterwards. We look back and say, wow, Lord, you did something. You were working something in me and I couldn't even see it. The scalpel is so sharp, it's so clean. You can't even see the scars after the surgery. He's so good at it. We gotta learn from him, we gotta go to him. We gotta learn to love and serve one another the way that he loves and serves us, amen? He has the perfect application. The cross is the most beautiful application there is. Look at what he has done so that we could have life. Look at what he has sacrificed and laid down so that we can be together with him. Let's pray. Let's go before the Lord and let's ask him to do some corrective surgery on my heart. What do you say? On our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the cross. Jesus, we thank you for diving into the specifics
of how to deal with one another. We thank you, God, that you are a gracious king, a loving king, who has done unbelievable sacrifice up front, who has done unbelievable things up front. First, we love you because you first loved us. You laid down your life. You took our sins upon the cross. You declared forgiven. You declared life. You declared resurrection. And then you called us to believe on you. We thank you for the beautiful example of sacrifice. We thank you for the the gracious example, doing everything up front first before we even take one step. You've done it all. We marvel at what you've done. It gets to us. Help us to lower ourselves to one another. Help us to sacrifice. Help us to come to one another these ways. We love you, King. We're committed to your gospel. We're committed to your work. And we ask that you would continue to allow this work to go on at Legacy in our church, Lord, that we would be a people who handle one another with care. We would be a people who are transparent, humble, available to receive from one another and be built up by one another. Change our hearts, oh God. Renew a right spirit within us. I pray even this week as we go out and we handle our neighbors, our friends, our family members, our spouse, that, Lord, we'd have new perspective on what eye surgery looks like. Help us, Lord. We need you, King. We thank you for your message. We thank you for your work. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your words. We choose to apply them today. We do it in Jesus' name. Amen.